0: Welcome, 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 welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. What's happening? Jeremy Rushing hanging out with you. And uh, what are we, episode 27, 28 now? Um, Honestly, thank you to whether this is your, you know, you've not listened to all 27 or 28 episodes. I don't know how many it's been. It's been a lot. Uh, So if you listen throughout the entire journey, thank you so much. Or if this is your first time giving us a shot, thank you as well. Uh, When I started this podcast back in May, I I didn't know what the reception would be. I didn't know if there would be any reception at all, to be honest. And um, just the amount of listeners that I, the amount of people that I see are listening and the feedback that we get, it's just, it's been awesome so far. So thank you so much to anybody who is Either if you're just listening, thank you so much. But if you're leaving ratings and reviews, thank you so much. If you subscribe, thank you so much. If you interact with us on social media, thank you as well uh, for just helping us continue to grow this thing. And hopefully, we can you know continue to make it a better podcast and something uh, you know more entertaining and more informational for you as uh, we move along here. And speaking of subscribing, if you haven't subscribed yet. Uh, please hit that subscribe button. You never know when we're going to drop a podcast, whether it's going to be a Friday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Monday. Uh, We try to keep it pretty consistent, but with schedules and different things happening, it's tough. So uh, just subscribe so you're notified and preloaded whenever we drop a new episode. But also, leave us a rating and review, too, if you haven't. If you haven't left us a rating and review yet and you like the show, it just means so much for the growth of this podcast and for uh, you know where we're placed and who this podcast is shown to and how many people it's shown to. Uh, it, it just is is huge. It's immense. I can't even put into words how big it is. So if you haven't left us a rating and review yet, please do so. If you have an iPhone, please do so specifically on Apple Podcasts. That would be a huge, huge boost to this show. Uh, On today's show, big interview with Dan Hudeman. He is the, you know, co-founder of Minneapolis City SC. He penned their in-depth piece on MPLSCitySC.com and ProtagonistSoccer.com about what a crazy year 2020 has been. All the ins and outs on the financials and everything that they went through this year. Uh, 9,000 words. It's very, very Comprehensive. So please go check that article out if you haven't. Again, it's up at MPLSCitySC.com or protagonistsoccer.com. But first, Minnesota United. Sporting Kansas City, Western Conference Semifinals, down at Children's Mercy Park, a place where Minnesota United has never won. I'm not really going to go in depth and give you a preview of that because uh, I did that last week with Jacob Schneider and Eli Hoff. So if you haven't checked out that episode, please do so. But also, I encourage you to go listen to one of the other many Minnesota United podcasts that have your preview of tonight's game covered. Whether it's the Minnesota Soccer Podcast with my fellow Zone Coverage guys, David Naylor, and Nick Hallett. If it's the Dummy Run podcast, uh, newer Minnesota United podcast out there, but definitely good. Pod on You Loons is a great one to listen to. And Fifty Five One is a great one to listen to. Just so many different options out there. Lunacy, Dave's I Know, uh, they all pretty much have you covered uh, when it comes to Uh, previewing tonight's match and letting you know of everything going on with Minnesota United. So I encourage you to listen to one, if not more of those to get you hyped for tonight's Western conference semifinal. Uh, If you want to interact with us during the match, you can follow us on Twitter at 10 K pitches, or you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy G rushing. There will be live tweets from both accounts as the game moves forward tonight. Going to be a big one, obviously and a big opportunity for for Minnesota United to show that uh, they're taking that step. And they can win at Children's Mercy Park because they've never done so. And with that out of the way, now it's time to get to my interview with Minneapolis City co-founder Dan Hudeman. Hope you enjoy it. Now we welcome in a man who, according to Minneapolis City's website, has used his marketing and advertising skills to help take the crows from, quote, an unknown upstart to a known upstart. It's City co-founder Dan Hudeman. Dan, how are you? Thanks for joining the show this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very, very excited to have you. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the, kind of the in-depth financial year interview piece that was posted on both your website and on ProtagonistSoccer.com. But along the same lines, I want to start here by talking about kind of this time of year in particular and its impact on clubs like yours. Now, we, knew, we know Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. That's big when it comes to like retail and, and different organizations, but in terms of lower league soccer, a club like yours, you know, how much does this weekend specifically make a difference in your yearly financial outcome?
1: You know, like with, with Minneapolis city, I think in a lot of ways we're different than a typical lower league club. Um, just given the scale of some of the swings that we can have around things, like if we do a new Jersey launch or, um, what we're able to get in terms of people who buy games and all that, Mm -hmm. um, but usually, this this is relatively big. It's it's not as big of a um, sales time as you'd expect, at least for us historically. Yep. And we've tried a number of different things in the past. We've tried to launch new stuff, or this year we tried some sales. This year's a little bit weird with with COVID, and you know, like the economy's in a weird spot. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say uh, <laughs> were we just average at it, or is it just sort of an average. An average weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, but one of the things I, I like, I really geek out about the business of lower division soccer. Um, and every year when I do the the town hall, I sort of joke about it with people where, you know, it seems like I just care about the money, but you know, we need the money to keep playing, right. You mm-hmm. need to rent facilities you need to do all that. And, and so as I've gotten into it, um, I've kind of enjoyed it. So for us to answer your question directly, um, we had a pretty decent uh, black Friday, um, I just happened to be uh, doing our, like the end of November earlier, so you know, as we looked at year over year, we were slightly down, which is okay because this time last year we had just launched um, the new home and away jersey, so I would expect that it wouldn't it wouldn't be quite the same. Last year, COVID wasn't a thing that we knew about, so I think we did pretty decently. Yeah. And if you look at what the clubs are doing, kind of across lower division. You, know, you can see how much effort they're putting into it. Yeah. Um. And really, it's like from now and the lead up till Christmas. So from like now till December fifteenth, it is a really critical time for us and for others. Mm-hmm. Um. We just don't happen to see as much happening like right on Black Friday. And I don't know if it's Thanksgiving week or whatever. Um. But for us, this tends to be a key time for memberships, which is kind of like our season ticket. Yep. Um, as people start to look ahead for the next year. Um. I don't know if that's the same for everybody. Um. But I'm, I'm hopeful from now to the 15th that um, we continue to have the momentum we do.
0: Now, you've been paying attention to this far longer than I have, but is there any difference in terms of this year, especially with, with Merch kind of being, uh, you know, one of the only revenue streams left for a lot of these clubs? Are you seeing a lot bigger push just from lower league soccer in general for bringing in Merch sales specifically for something like Black Friday, kind of trying to use that to generate more revenue? Have you seen that more this year than years in past, or has it kind of been similar?
1: So, you know, what I've seen is um, I've seen clubs getting a little bit savvier in what they're doing. So I've seen two major kind of trends, if you will, where the first one is I've seen clubs be a lot more aggressive in terms of like the promotions and the deals that they'll give. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, like I don't really love, I don't love deals um, and I don't really love the idea of deals because stuff is either cheap at our level or the margins are super thin Yeah. You know, like at, at the scale we're, we're doing, when we're selling a t shirt for 20 bucks, you know, like versus, you know, like the twins selling a t shirt for 20 bucks, the, mm-hmm. the twins are probably getting twice as much as, as we're getting, maybe three yeah. times as much, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. scale difference. So, so I, I don't love that. Um, you know, but there is, there is a good way to do it, there's a savvy way to do it. And I saw a lot more, um, deals or promotions or interesting ways to combat things. Um, I also saw a lot more launches. What we had done for our first five years is we would try on Black Friday, have something new. And so this year we did, we had the Lunchbox. And mm-hmm. yep. um, I think I accidentally launched the Joggers like three days too early, but we're going to have the Joggers. We had, <laughs> we had some stuff that was new. Um, and I saw like Detroit City did some new stuff. I saw Duluth did some new stuff, Gray's Lake, um, And I, I love that because it's, it's something that's interesting. And so I think people are getting savvier around this time of year. Is that because they, they need the, the money more? I mean, pr- probably it's been a weird year. Um, but also, I think there's a lot of people growing up in lower division soccer, just in terms of, like, as the organization grows, you bring in more people who know more things. And, you know, we've, even at Minneapolis City, we brought in a guy, Paul Malkor, who has made us be a lot smarter. Like, we couldn't do promotions in previous years because, like, I didn't know how to execute them with our e-commerce platform. Yeah. Whereas Paul's like, oh, yeah, I can do 15 types of promotions. And so, you know, <laughs> this is so easy. Um, so there's, there's a lot to be said. You know, I, like I didn't say that as sort of a criticism of other clubs. I, you know, we're in that. Like as you grow, you get smarter. You, yeah. you bring on people with more capabilities. Um, and so I, I've seen a lot of that. And um, hopefully it paid out for him.
0: You guys are known a lot as, you know, trendsetters when it comes to the practices that you put in place and the way you guys do things. Who do you take inspiration from when it comes to how you market yourself uh, and, and how you guys how you guys run things? Because you guys are very different, but do you kind of look to anybody for inspiration or any teams for inspiration on how you guys do things?
1: Um, like, yes and no. I, I think from an operational standpoint, there are some clubs that do a really good job and some you'd expect. Um both Detroit city and Northern guard do a great job in terms of merch design and like, Mm -hmm. and and how they bring merch to market. Um, it's interesting to watch clubs like Ann Arbor. Um, they're, they're really professional, um, in terms of like their design and what they bring Mm -hmm. little rock is a great job. They're they're really good lower division clubs. Um, like my day job is in advertising and, um, and my, my, uh, my creative partner is the, the guy who did our like first, um, logo the award-winning logo um and i joke with him a lot um he's he's a he's just an extraordinary designer um and some of the stuff you may have seen around the twin cities like if you looked at insight brewing their Mm. their cans and and their logo and their designs he did all that yeah Um, and he does you know huge companies he just did one big global company he's just an extraordinary talent um and then we've had matthew wolf do stuff so we've had great designers do it um, and whenever we look at things, we actually try not to look at, at soccer quite so much. And part of the reason why is though, though there are great things in soccer. And if we do look at soccer, we try and let like go um, like back in time. Yep. Like Besiktas from Turkey back in the eighties and early nineties has some awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, I really like what Darby County are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, their stuff's really nice. Um, but a lot of stuff we look at is like lost surfboards or, uh, like, you know, um, some of the escape skateboard companies. And we try yeah. and look outside of soccer, um, cause they're doing some really interesting things too. And like a lot of the, the beer brands, um, oh, yeah. great design, like really good branding. Um, and so I was joking with Trent because he was the one who he's he my creative partner. He was really pushing for the hot pink and <laughs> you know, like. I was like trent before you before you rolled up with pink pink wasn't a thing in soccer you set the trend and he's like no you're stupid but i'm like no you did you you totally did it um <laughs> but i i think a lot of it is we're pretty clear about like what we wanted to be and and what mm-hmm. we wanted to do um and the thing is in the twin cities you have all these great like the just from a branding perspective our our teams do a great job yeah like minnesota united has a great logo and great branding but so do the vikings And so Mm -hmm. do the twins. And, you know, as as you, as you think about them, they're all in the upper echelon in their sport in terms of like brand, branding, the type of Mm -hmm. marketing they're doing. And so, you know, we said, we just couldn't possibly beat them at their own game. Mm -hmm. So we were going to do something that was a little bit more like homegrown punk rock and all that. And so that's why, you know, to go after your question again, that we don't really look too much for other teams. Um, because if, if we tried to get into like the mainstream pro sports or like mainstream sports, what do they do? Um, mm-hmm. We wouldn't stand out because everyone does a great job. I mean, yeah. even University of Minnesota has an awesome, unique logo, and the Gophers are cool. Like, there's just yeah. it's a it's a tough market to try and like be good at doing sports stuff. But yeah. if we tried to do like offbeat alt things, then we do okay.
0: Yeah. It seems to be working for you so far. That's for sure. Um, so let's go into the 2020 year interview here, uh, over 9,000 words on, uh, on 2020 and financially how things went just kind of overall this crazy year and, and how it went for you guys. This is the fifth year that you guys have actually publicly posted this kind of in-depth look, um, particularly into the financials, the budget expectations, revenue, all of that, uh, which is, not common you know it's not something a lot of other teams and businesses in general do kind of open their books like that what made you guys and you were in particular Dan, kind of want to start this annual series and be kind of transparent about how things are going
1: so like when it when it came time for us to start Annapolis city i didn't know where to begin mm-hmm. which is a little bit weird because you know we had had this men's league club in uh, the MASL, Stegman's have been around for at that time five years, mm-hmm. um, and we've been traveling out of state to play uh, National Amateur Cup and and to play friendlies. And still, like getting some of the basics: what do I need to think about for expenses? Like how do I start to model um, revenue? What are the what are the things I don't know? There, there's no answers for that. And I call other owners. The guys at San Francisco City were super helpful. Detroit City was super helpful. Um, uh, FC Buffalo was really helpful, um, and one of the guys not there anymore, in, in particular, did a lot. Um, but I ended up um, connecting via, via email to Peter Wilt, who I hadn't met ever before except via email, mm-hmm. um, and and he had given this old framework of a budget, which is at least a place to to start from.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, I thought, well, that's so that's so dumb. Like, why why this stuff doesn't exist? out in the open. It's not yeah. like, it's not like me at the city's IBM and mm-hmm. a bunch of people getting rich off of it and like living there, and like supporting their families and stuff off of this, like yeah. more soccer is better and it'd be better if teams were better run. So like we wanted to share it. And at the same time, we, we shared it, Dennis Crowley at um, Kingston Stockade. Uh, he started doing it too. Um, I thought that would kick off a movement, but so far we're the only ones I know of who are <laughs> willing to, to share any of our financials um and i think part of it is a little bit of ego there's a it's a really ego driven Mm -hmm. strangely like soccer has more egos in it than advertising i didn't expect that um (laughs) you know and and there's a lot of emotion that's tied into it right you really you really feel it so i I can see why you know there are some times when we don't have a good year or you know you missed your mark or whatever um or other owners do the math and they're like oh that's how many fans you had per game and you know Mm -hmm. whatever you can feel that but Uh, My hope was that it would help inspire others to get started and to see that, you know what, like if we could do it, we started in, we started in division three MRSL, (laughs) you know, like it's not impossible. Um, It was hard. Yeah. We had a lot of luck, um, a lot of luck, Um, but not so much that you you look at us and say, there's no way that we could do it. And I think Mm -hmm. the more soccer there is at this level, the better American players are going to be. that's a big issue for american players is there aren't a lot of opportunities yep so more people create them at this level then more will create them the level above and you know and before you know it we don't have to send our best and brightest to europe although that's awesome yeah um you know we'll have more best and brightest and then we'll win a world cup which i think we would all really enjoy
0: yeah i agree Um, So let's get into the kind of chronologically here, uh, this piece without completely spoiling it, because I do think people should definitely go read it, whether it's at MPLScitysc.com or protagonistsoccer.com. So heading into this year. You guys are coming off of you know a string of extremely successful years, both on the pitch and financially. Things are increasing, you know, double digits in terms of revenue every single year. Um, you guys won another NPSL North title. You have a U.S. Open Cup match on the schedule in Chicago. If you win, you play forward Madison. How are you guys feeling as an organization heading into 2020? I have to imagine expectations were pretty high in terms of club health and growth and all that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were so excited for 2020 and mm-hmm. and one of the things i'll always be a little bit wistful about too because you know the, the um lockdown happened we were less than a week from our open cup game and i'd gone to the training sessions i'd gone to some of the training matches and we'd had this like this team was so good and they're so ready mm-hmm. and we'd had some guys who had been playing with us from the beginning you know like will kid is a great example you know started 18 and so he was sort of like peaking he knew the team and this mm-hmm. group of guys who played together and then we had a a few newer faces. Um, but because, you know, they're from Minnesota, they all kind of knew each other or, or knew of each other or had played together with us. Um, and it was just like the cresting of the wave and not that we, you know, maybe won't have, have that next year or whatever, but I, I remember thinking, man, we're going to fuck Chicago up and we may like, <laughs> do some damage in, in Wisconsin. I've never seen yeah. us play so well. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like I've, you may say of course i'd say that and yeah i mean of, of course yeah. i would but i'll, I'll tell you i i never seen us say that or play mm-hmm. like that it just everyone was locked in um on the on the playing side it was it was true off the field as well um we were just we had already met our goal for uh, memberships um, And we usually have a big push right before the season starts and in the week and a half or so after um, mm-hmm. i mean we could have easily beaten our projection but like 30 or 40 percent we so we're like we're gonna have pack stands um we, we had some pretty cool friendlies lined up that i think would, would have been would have been really great yeah um some sponsors who you know we're, we're about to bring online like really this was this was one of those things where we looked at the season like this is going to be great and this could be a real springboard uh, for things we're going to happen next and then you know th- then everything stopped yeah. and and that was what was really strange because we went from, this is going to be awesome. We're going to run like teams really good. And then, you know, in particular, as we looked at the NPSL, those, the pro teams had left. Yeah. You know, so the, the season before we ran into a bunch of teams that were, um, were pro and, and they ended up going rolling right in NISA. So Detroit city was your Cosmos where Miami FC, I mean, Miami FC had a wage budget that was probably bigger than yeah. all of the budgets of the North conference put together. Um, you know, so you did have these 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 pro teams there, and they were gone. So I'm sure we weren't the only MPSL club, kind of licking our lips, thinking now might be our time.
0: Yep.
1: Um, and, and the Midwest is tough. You know, you have Cleveland there, and, and in particular, um, but you know, it, it was feeling feeling pretty good, and then bam, everything stopped.
0: Yeah, I mean, you get the news, uh, what you said, a week out from the Open Cup match that the USSF had suspended the tournament due to COVID-19, then NPSL cancels, then UPSL cancels, and suddenly the bad news snowball just continues to roll down the hill, right? And you mentioned in the article that at this point, your strategy was to just kind of stop everything and, and try to minimize expense wherever possible. How long did it take to get from that point to developing kind of a new budget so you could at least have some sort of business operation going again?
1: Well, we were in a we were in a tough spot. We were in a tough spot because uh, we'd spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We'd spent a lot of money because we we're about to play a game, right? So we had we had all the home and away kit. We had our special U.S. Open Cup kit that now Manchester United are apparently wearing. We had all the training <laughs> gear, um, and we'd rented indoor training space because we had to get ready for um, March. And you know, indoor training space in Minnesota is extraordinarily expensive anytime i tell people from uh you know the, the south or the west or i mean even like the northeast not too far north they're like oh right per session you're like no per hour uh,
0: you know it's just <laughs> extraordinarily
1: expensive yeah. um so we, we'd spent a lot of money i think over over sixty thousand dollars and we didn't have that much we didn't have that much in yet yeah so we, we stopped we, we looked where we could cut but pretty quickly we had to start making decisions on like what can we what can we do to stay alive? Um, You know, back in those days uh, we all thought maybe we could crush COVID more quickly. And so we were thinking about, you know, could we save the season? Could we play like a late summer or fall season? We were still thinking in in those terms, which of course ended up going nowhere. It wasn't safe to do. Mm -hmm. Um, The planning started right away. Um, You know, there were, there were two big things that saved us. One, um, one that was unexpected just in general the other one um just in terms of the jerseys which everyone should really check out um which really just uh far exceeded our our expectations for it we always tend to do yeah. really well with with a, a jersey launch we spend a lot of time trying to make sure that like they're the type of thing that you'd want to you want to buy and we yeah. price them really well right you know mm-hmm. actually the, the pricing is because our head coach matt Van ben scoten um thought it'd be funny if our jerseys were 69
0: dollars there you go Man. i love that
1: so he said that in a like all club status meeting and we're all like nice so we did it <laughs> so that's that's how scientific our pricing is that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing and that, honestly
0: to be quite honest when i was gone your store the first time looking at like the kits and stuff that's the first thing i noticed like oh there's a 69 <laughs> that's kind of funny and like it's it's amazing to think like that honestly could be like the what takes somebody from looking at a jersey to pulling the trigger and buying it is that they think the price point's kind of funny
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's all it's all Matt and then and i will give credit we had a guy um i, I won't name his name because i don't know if he, if um he wants uh, wants me to say it but um every year he gives as a donation 69 dollars and 69 cents and he's just a legend internally yeah. in the front office but um you know who you are and that makes me laugh every <laughs> year
0: <laughs> if you're listening it's greatly appreciated <laughs> yeah. Um, So you mentioned, and I think one of the things that you were getting at when it comes to things that you weren't expecting, but end up being good was the fact that only six people requested refunds for the 2020 memberships, right? Um, You guys put out a a memo to all your members saying, hey, if you want a refund, you know, you can do it otherwise, you know, and, and only six people actually requested those refunds, which is crazy to think about. And you mentioned that it's because of that different mindset, you know, treating supporters like people instead of a dollar amount, writing thank you cards and other extra things you do that, you know, make people want to support you. Um, even through times like these, what did it mean to kind of see something like that happen and, you know, maybe get that reassurance that this business model of caring, being fun, being different is actually resonating with people.
1: Yeah. I, it's kind of hard to put in words. And um, part of the reason why is, um, I mean, I, I still remember clear as day. I'm never going to forget it uh, before our first game. And I was, I was really worried. I wasn't sure if anyone was going to turn up and um, th- that sounds almost like a cliche, except I, I really didn't know that I yeah. was going to come to the game. Um And so I, I purposely stood, you know, right at the entrance to the stadium and I was trying to, um, you know welcome people there and introduce myself to people as they came in, but then there, there were more and more it's not like our first ever game was a, a, a huge gate you know relatively to where, yeah. where we've been. but um, I remember like I, I got to a point where I couldn't say hello to everybody in that in that first game. and yeah. um, and, and that had a, that had just this incredible emotional feeling to it, like wow, we've, we've actually created a thing. And that same feeling, was, was what happened, um, you know, as people responded to whether they wanted a refund or not. Um, because, you know, the, you know, the truth is, right, with how hard COVID hit, um, there are a lot of people who've who've lost their jobs and a lot of people have been out of work for a long time or, or you've had a pay cut or you've had hours cuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a serious economic situation. And so part of why I expected more, even though, I mean, you know, most people paid $65 and they already got their scarf. So it was like $65 minus the scarf and minus, shit. you know, it's not like yep. it was, a, it was a lot of money, but you know, every little bit counts if, you, if you're yep. at work or, or, or all that. And so I, I, um, I did, I did expect a lot more um, people to ask for a refund and, and, and they should have if they needed it. Um, and I don't know everyone's personal situation, but knowing, you know, just how serious it was, I, I had this, there's really like visceral emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. And I still have it as I think about it, even more than that first game, but it was kind of a similar thing where I felt like, wow, people like believe in this and people believe in this thing that we're doing. Yeah. Um, and the thing was, as we talked about it as a group, um, it sort of galvanized us around, well, if they, if they believe in us, they're like, this is worth it. Then we have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And it was actually that belief um, that really kickstarted what we did to think about futures. It kickstarted what we did to get to the vote for the women's club. Like it, it sort of it stopped us from doing nothing because we had kind of just like st- stop spending turtle do not you know, do nothing. Um, you know, it, it really said, "Well, shit, we've got we have to we have to do something." We we have the, all these people who kind of believe in Minneapolis City. We can't let them down um, in this really kind of like in, inspiring way. But it, it, and at the same time too, just the um just like i'll never forget what it was like to be at the entrance to um bill barnyard when there are too many people to walk in for me to shake their hand and say hello as as i saw that come in i i remember exactly how i felt um and won't ever forget it was incredible yeah just incredible
0: one of my favorite parts of the piece, uh, it comes at a time where you talk about maybe uh, a time that you were doubting yourself. Uh, when you talk about all the business books that you read because you were paranoid, you wouldn't be able to sustain success, prof- profitability, et cetera, over an extended period of time uh, with the acumen that you had. But you eventually realize that those books are pretty much useless because uh, obviously City is, is different from any other soccer team or general business and, and it works, Right uh, did you ever actually consider implementing any of the profitability strategies or whatever was in in any of those books or was it, was it obvious pretty quickly that, that it was sort of a different operation and different, different philosophy than what you were reading about?
1: I mean, the way that, the way that people think about business and and particularly how they think about it in sports just doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I'll leave it open to the fact that like, maybe I'm just not smart enough, right? Like I don't have an MBA, I don't have any of that, that shit. Um, but I think that we've seen, and we've seen it in COVID when we saw it in 08 with the financial crisis and all that. Like it's one thing if you get bailout out for the government, but the other wise, like if you really over, if you over optimize to these like pieces of data or financial targets, mm-hmm. um, you, You have no room for error, right? Like that. If, if, so if everything is perfect all the time and we optimize for yield per person in a seat, um, like, like they probably do at the Vikings, I'm just guessing. um, And you end up with a stadium that's half corporate boxes. Well, what happens in a pandemic? Mm -hmm. Like those corporations don't give a shit. They're not going to buy anything. And maybe if you're the Vikings and you're living off of, um, a TV deal or whatever like that doesn't matter, you know. Just like if you're Citibank or whoever, like you know, you'll get bailed out. But for us, you know, we don't we don't live in that world. Mm-hmm. And so as I read that, it just seemed so unrealistic that like somehow we could just aggressively optimize our way to, um, you know, like just this perfect business situation. Um, so it didn't make sense on a business standpoint. But like, as I thought about it, I kind of wrote this in the piece. It wasn't really how I wanted to be treated, and particularly mm. not in the sport. Yep. Right? You know, and I see so many people who are like, you know, my club till I die, or you know, that equivalent. Then you're like, well, it's pretty shitty that your club's full of a bunch of like yield maximizing NBA types who are trying to steal every dollar from you. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't, I don't feel like target till I die. Right? Like, I'll go, yeah. to, I'll go to, I'll go to club <laughs> or like, I'll go to. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I understand what they're trying to do as a business, you know. Bad um, bath and beyond
0: till I'm six <laughs> feet under,
1: right? And tattoos and buying all yeah. the merch. You know, like, this is a different world in sport, and and I also think you know because those sports clubs are so much a representation of their community, um, and and a point of community pride. They have a responsibility that goes beyond. Like shareholder returns, you know, mm-hmm. they're not these huge publicly traded companies anyway, right? Like, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I read that stuff. I'm like, it's weird. Then the business side doesn't make any sense, and on the personal side doesn't make any sense. And I sort of thought it's the same way with like the all like with the local focus on players, um, whereas like you know what, if I'm going to spend my time kind of volunteering and I'm going to spend my money donating to it, I'm just not going to do it that way. Um, and I, I was I was pleased that it paid off. But even Mm -hmm. if it didn't pay off financially, like treating people who believed in this quirky little like mission-driven thing to help local players, you know, like Mm -hmm. if we didn't get every last dollar, they'd be willing to give us. That's okay. Yeah, (laughs) I'd I'd sleep okay at night. Um, But I guess the the point the piece is, I think that the businesses that do and the clubs that do, they get themselves in a really fragile position, Mm -hmm. and you start to see them really go into the wall. You know, like we've we've heard. That there are sports leagues, um, not just soccer, who if, if they can't play in front of full, um, you know, their usual um, set of fans next year, they're going to be in real financial trouble. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot of businesses can go too long without being able to actually like sell their full product. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I bet if they treated people differently, yeah. You know, they'd, yeah. they'd be in a different. They'd be in a different position. Like I, mm-hmm. my dad used to take me the Twins all the time, and I know it didn't cost as much as it cost me to take my kids to the Twins, which is why we go twice a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> it like Shit, this is a fucking lot of money. It just wasn't as much for my dad. You know, and grand, we sat way up in the middle of nowhere in the yeah. Metrodome. He used to say, he'd say, you know, look at all those people down close to the field. They don't realize that up here you can see the whole game. Like, these are the
0: better i seats. love like third tier seats whether my target <laughs> Field or i'm a cardinals fan so like bush stadium you know whatever like uh-huh. i love being able to see the whole field like that I, I actually i completely agree
1: my dad's my dad sold us for years on well yeah you don't want to be too close but i'm with you though like you can, you can see a little bit more sometimes you even get to see the baseball which is nice
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, pivoting here, you guys sold a lot of merch this year, <laughs> more than doubled your uh, forecasted merch revenue from the uh, from the initial budget. Uh, a lot of that due to the U.S. Open cup kits, both the regular kit and the goalie kit um i purchased a phantom kit myself i think it's one of the best jerseys i think i've ever seen so i was more than happy awesome. to, to do that i wear it proudly um and then the other stuff you guys guys released throughout the year you mentioned the lunchbox um what has 2020 taught you in terms of what you guys can do a bit differently to give the fans and supporters more of what they want and also what should crows fans i guess expect on the merch side specifically for 2020 specifically early 2020 if there's anything new on the horizon
1: um, I think we learned that everyone loves the wing. Yeah, and that um, and and that that's you know beyond that. I think um, this is such a it was such a unique year. I'm not sure what I've learned yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not to not to skip out of it. Um, that's fine. You know, um, if I was given advice to other lower division clubs, I know a lot of them because I've spoken with them. will ask questions I like, should should be with Nike or Adidas or Under Armour, you know, because they have the name um well i would say no as long as Mm -hmm. you have a really great uh designer i think a lot of times people take that and they go for something that's really kind of weird yeah um because it still has to be wearable right like it's supposed to look good and um and there's a difference between design because you can and and design because you should but Mm -hmm. um You know, I remember talking with Matthew Wolf, who, who um, he's from Minneapolis. He went to high school with our club captain, Aaron Olson. And he just happens to be a world famous jersey designer uh, who's worked with us from the very beginning. Um, And he's just incredibly talented dude, really, really a great guy. Um, And we were talking about like blackout kits because he was saying, yeah, you know, when I did PSGs, Jordans in in the all black with the silver, gosh, they (laughs) sold so many. And I was like, well, Matthew, but they're PSG.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter what kit they're putting out. If they put out something, people are going to buy it.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and um, we, he kind of laughed about it and and um, we ended up doing the training shirt in, in uh, kind of all black with a pink because, yeah. he, and it does look, it does look great. He, yeah. I mean, he was right. But, um, you know, of, of the challenges of if you need to get known like us versus if you are like PSG or Liverpool or, or somebody who can do like the black on black and holy shit, that looks awesome. Well, part of why it looks awesome is because Liverpool have been winning titles in, in their famous red shirts for, you know, decades upon decades, whereas Minneapolis city is five years old, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, having somebody of, of his um, skill level made a difference. And so I think if there was a, if there was a learning, it would be doing custom stuff really matters and having a really, really good designer matters. Mm-hmm. Um, like th- there are a lot of okay designers th- in the world. Um, and a lot of people who like to design soccer stuff cause it's super fun and I, I get it too. Um, but I, I think, you know, cause Matthew Wolf did our um, original throwback logo and kit, which really helped us at the time um, mm-hmm. from what it sold. And then he did the, the wing and the away. Um, and we kind of collaborated on the Dazzle. And so in a lot of ways, working with him, a designer at his level, um, made this year what it was. And so like our yeah. lesson is you need, you really need somebody who's just lights out good at, at what they do. because
0: It makes a huge difference. Yeah.
1: Um, or you just got to put a wing on it. Maybe that's the... <laughs>
0: if you like it, put a wing on it, right? <laughs> Unless it's uh, unless it's an Adidas kit that the whole entire league is using the kind of the same kit of, then then you're not getting the most out of it, I think. But that's a different conversation for a different time. Uh, so speaking of 2021, you have a few new ventures to fund, including a full year of the Futures program and implementation of the women's side, as approved by the most recent members meeting. Uh, let's talk. Let's start with the Futures program. What does the 2021 timeline look like for Futures? Because right now you guys are still building the teams, right? Yeah, so um,
1: we had right before this um, second lockdown, we'd finished the tryouts, uh, um, we'd had a, a set of trials and we had, we'd had we made um, the first set of selections um, for guys who just did great and they made it. And then we did the second set of selections of, of a group of guys who wanted to come back and, and view them again and then the lockdown hit. So we need to do the final selection for the teams. We're relatively close. Mm-hmm. Um so we're going to start back up at the moment um in mid January. Okay. And we'll just have to see you know what what the safe time to start is. Mm-hmm. The idea is that future will go from November to July. And so um while well, they're in club season because it's just additive, it'll be relatively light training as they're working with us and then as the club season ends, they start to come in um with us more aggressively, which matches great because that's when our college guys come back and we really get after it so they'll be able to train with futures um opportunity to train with the npsl and upsl teams and they'll have the futures league right now we've just pushed it back so we should be playing now instead of playing now we're going to be um kind of restarting in january and okay. uh, we'll kind of finish up that trial and selection process and then then we've got our team
0: and as far as the women's team goes, what does the timeline look like for that? In terms of when we can expect, you know, more more news, or when we could potentially see, you know, a women's team, you know, fielded on, you know, whether it's in a game and in, in trainings, you know, what's that timeline look like?
1: So, um, I, what we're trying to do is follow what we did with the futures, and so for futures, we got approval to start a U nineteen team. That was actually what the vote was from the members, mm-hmm. um, and as we explored that and kind of thought about it. And, and we spent a lot of time talking with coaches and players and, and um, influencers to, to be too buzzwordy to try and figure out like, okay, what, what is exactly the gap and how we can fill it? Um, that turned into the futures, which um, you know what, what we found was you know, a truth about um, youth soccer and a truth about the gap and then like how that could fit. I think on the women's side, there's going to be the same thing but we wanna follow the same process. So what we there are a number of um, members who raised their hand uh, when we did the town hall where where the vote came in and it was approved, who said, yeah, I'd like to be part of the planning committee. Um, We just got the other side of of Thanksgiving and reached out to them. So we're gonna get together with them and we're gonna start the information gathering phase where with with that group and then with some others in the club, we're gonna be doing the same thing we did for Futures. We're going to come back with a vision. We're going to present it to first the member board, then the then the members themselves, trying to get approval on that. Um, so I can't make any promises because we, we have to get through that. Yeah. However, it seems like it seems like there's there is maybe a 2022, maybe 2023 opportunity. Some of it it's so much is COVID dependent, right? Of
0: course.
1: You know, whereas like 2021, we said it's absolutely off the table. There's there's not enough time to get the members. To really review it and approve it without it feeling like it's rubber stamped. Um, And I think every year we've gotten better with how we work with the member board and and the members. And so we want to give them some time, but also um, from a player coaching infrastructure standpoint, because we don't know when we're going to, we don't know on the men's side when we're really going to be able to start. You know, Mm -hmm. to my answer about futures, we push it back right now to January 11th. Does it get pushed back to February? Does it get pushed back to March? We, We don't know. And the worst thing we want to do is try and launch something on the women's side with a whole bunch of question marks. Yeah. So um, it's information gathering right now. Then we'll get the vision. Member, board, and members will get, just like with futures, they'll get a presentation and, and the chance to mm-hmm. give us the up and down on it. Uh, and the member board with futures was very, very involved. Um, and I, I'd expect the same thing would be true for um, uh, the women's team too, where we, we had a presentation to the board um great detail we we shared some budget scenarios we talked about the types of players great back and forth that happened over a series of meetings Mm -hmm. um and then we did the the member presentation and i want to do the same thing because i think from the women's standpoint it's different on the men's side there was a more obvious gap because there i know saint thomas is going to be this soon but there was no there's no division one men's program in minnesota Mm -hmm. and you know the closest is madison or I guess you get down to Drake. I'm not entirely sure which is closer, but there, you know, mm-hmm. four four hours at least is the yeah. closest. Um, and uh, and there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't an us. Whereas if you look on the women's side, it's a little bit different. You got the U here, and you've got some really great programs
0: at you know NDSU and
1: and um, I I'll name as many as I can. I'll forget one because soon know, to
0: be Saint uh, Thomas. There'll be Division One Right,
1: Army. another one. You know, but I guess on the women's side, there are a number of really great. Really great programs really nearby um and there are some there are clubs that have moved into um, the npsl equivalent as well and so i do think there's a place for minneapolis city and um, what we do um, in terms of how we serve the players and how we hype the players and you know how we put the players in a high performance environment that includes being really in front of the fans yep. um, it's a thing that the players i don't really enjoy both ours and visiting players it also changes your game, right? It's, it's yeah. different. I've actually, I've heard this from referees, which, which has made me really happy to hear where um, they really like refereeing Minneapolis City games because they feel like they mean something. And yeah, yeah they, hear, they hear the fans. Mm-hmm. The, the fans are, are heckling them, but they, they do it really respectfully. That's what the referees say. <laughs> um, but it, it, it gives it a level of pressure and importance that they don't otherwise get. Mm-hmm. And so that makes you get better. Absolutely, because because you have that type of pressure, and so the so the rest love it. They they all really want to to get our games, and I'm, and the players I've, I've heard it too, and so you got to, you know, like when you do well, when you make a mistake, it's a different level when you've got people who are gonna who know your name and, and and all that. And so I think there's stuff like that we can offer, but we really have to conceptualize it to the level that we did for futures, mm-hmm. and make sure that it's it's like what's the Minneapolis City answer to, um, what the girls and women in the Twin Cities need from us, as opposed to just like we're going to launch a, and we're going to
0: copy Minneapolis City, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and even without COVID being too much of a factor in the timeline, maybe on the back end futures, that whole process from being approved to when it was officially launched, that was still a two or three year process, right?
1: It was part part of the reason why was um, I think at the time we did the vote, we we didn't realize that we had bitten off more than we could chew because mm-hmm. um, of the the number of volunteers we had was, was a lot fewer. Um, and then COVID helped because it gave us a little bit of a pause to have some time for it. And then we had um, with Jeremiah Johnson, who joined as a volunteer, and he was actually one of our first ever members, a lifetime member. It's um, awesome. And then a guy named Brendan Doyle, who uh, moved here from Chicago. Um, I met Adam Pribble. So we, we had two guys who were really, really passionate about the futures who, who really wanted to make it happen. So it was a little bit of like, I finally had the big the, the, a big enough set of volunteers and because COVID paused everything, the time to go in at it. Um, so I think it'll take some time, but it won't take as much time as futures did because mm-hmm. we realize now how much of an undertaking it is. And so we've been better about asking for you know, volunteers from the membership and we kind of know the steps we need to take and we know, you know we, we know so much more than we did then um i think Mm -hmm. we could cut that time at least in half and and hopefully more um because we have a little bit of a playbook now yeah um but but there are things that are different and and, you know we respect that
0: yeah when you look at it almost maybe might balance out the timeline right sure you have the better processes that are in place but you also have covid and you're not sure what the timeline looks like in terms of how long that's going to be affecting so um it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out looking forward to more news on that as it gets closer um you also hired a few new uh, coaches over the last month or so. Ali Lipscher will be the director of goalkeeping. Tori Burnett, newest assistant coach. They will be the two first women to be on a coaching staff for uh, NPSL Northside. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then Michael Michael Prunty? Prunty, Prunty yeah. Prunty. Uh, he'll take the reins and lead Minneapolis City too. Um, how excited are you to bring these three in? And, and what about them sort of made them the right fit for Minneapolis City? I,
1: I'm, I'm really excited. And actually since then we've, we've brought on um, Eli Baker and Kevin Lebon um, in assistant roles. Um, and, and I think that they, they fall in, into different buckets. So if you look at like Eli Baker and Kevin Lebon, they're both young guys. Um, they coach with Greg Holker at Augsburg. Um, and we've, we've had great luck with um, coaches who, who kind of come through working with, uh, with Greg Holker. Um, and he's, he's been, uh, he, he's kind of been a, an advisor to us, um, mm-hmm. from the beginning and he, you know, he just has a keen soccer mind. Right. And, and so the, the, um, the coaches that come from him have a, have a similar um, point of view. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for them and they're, they're young up and coming. They're looking to make a career in soccer. Mm-hmm. You look at a guy like Michael Prunty, and, and he's moved up here from, uh, Iowa with his family. He has uh, college experience um, really focused on development and he'll be perfect for, um, MC2 and, and Ryan Nichols was, was fantastic. He was the previous, um, MC2 coach. Um, he just wanted to do something slightly different with, um, you know, with where his, his life and career was going. And so he's going back to grad school and, and all that. Um, but both Nichols and, and Brandy had this relatability, um, that I think is important for the younger players, mm-hmm. um, but with, Prunty, with the college experience, I think is really gonna be able to help them to level up. And he's kind of closer to where we are with, um, you know, somebody like Allie or Tori, where and, and I guess Allie in particular, just given, you know, Tori's a more recent graduate, but um, I mean, Allie is a seasoned pro,
0: yep.
1: right? And she's like a big time division one program goalkeeper coach. And the fact that she's coaching with us, it's a steal.
0: Yeah, it is. It's,
1: it's astonishing that she's going to coach with
0: us. I, I said um, when I saw the news, I was like, this, is, this would be at the top of your wish list if you're a team looking for, and the NPSL looking for a director of goalkeeping. If you're looking at options available and Allie Lipscher's on the list, she's at the top of that list.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we just, I mean, I'm over the moon at that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at someone like Tori, you know, if, if she were a man coming out of a D1 program as successful as University of Minnesota is with the women um, looking for kind of an assistant job, everyone would snap her up. Right. Yep. Um, and so we snapped her up. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, and, and so I, I think there's just, you know, the good thing with soccer and kind of like new soccer is you're, you're not seeing as much of the, kind of good old boys network, you know, just, just mm-hmm. dudes you're looking at, like, do you have the chops? Both of them have the chops. I think with, yeah. with Michael Pronti too, like, you have the chops. And and for a club like ours, um, they're, they're, they're steps up. They're going to make us better. Mm-hmm. And um, as we build out our coaching staff, we have great dedicated coaches. Um, but, you know, we, we needed more and we needed to be able to build that out because- we're in this unique spot where um, you know, we get players who are choosing us over USL two teams. We get players who are um, they are coming back to us year after year. When I mean, we have a level of consistency that you just don't see typically in summer leagues like this, which means that we have really, really good players who are used to you know, if you look like a guy like um, Max Steuart, for example played at louisville for two years They went to central florida they're making the the tournament they're winning games in the NCAA tournament all the time they've got these huge coaching staffs um you know they're, they're not traveling by 15 passenger vans. sometimes you're doing charter flights or right? this is big time big time sports right yeah. and he's, he's choosing minneapolis city um and other you know great samo uh, samuel Ruiz plaza won a d3 national championship you know like Mm -hmm. they've got big staffs they've they've got big resources and so um we want to make sure that that we're doing as as well as we can well you better believe that those coaches see someone like ellie lipscher and they're like yes you're gonna you should go there you'll get better right you know just like when they look at um you know our, our trainer david bloomquist with tco he was at he when tco was a sponsor of minnesota united he was training minnesota united now he's he's training us so when these coaches see what we can offer from a sports medicine and training standpoint. They see an MLS caliber guy who's working with us every day. They say, yeah, you should go there. So, um, a long way of saying I could not be more excited. They're going to be awesome. They're going to make us better. Um, I'm so pleased that, that they landed with us and, um, you know, particularly with Allie and Tori, if they landed with us because others didn't take a flyer on them, well, those other teams, their loss, um, our gain, and we'll, we'll take it. They're going to be great.
0: I had Allie on the show two, three weeks ago. I don't know. 2020 time is irrelevant, (laughs) but uh, anyways, she, to your point, she seemed like legitimately pumped and excited to join the city staff and be part of what you guys are doing. Uh, You kind of answered this question, but what does that mean to kind of hear and see that, that, that immediate passion and excitement from those, from those individuals who come aboard. And as you mentioned, individuals who have, you know, top level pedigrees that are choosing to come in Minneapolis city and are, you know, crazy excited to do so, you know, what does that mean to you to kind of see that over and over?
1: I mean, some of it, some of it's validating of, of what we tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause we remember where we started, um, all <laughs> mistakes yeah. we made and how we try to do so much with so little, but also, um, I think that's, it's a testament to the players, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't hear this firsthand. Um, so Allie, if you're listening and, and you didn't actually say this, I apologize. But I, I heard from another coach who Ali apparently said it to, where she's like, this is, a, this is a set of great players and this is the most diverse set of players I've seen on a field in Minnesota mm-hmm. when, when she came up to watch our, our fall league. And um, you know, what, what excites me about all of it is um, you know, we, we really double down on we want to help the local guys elevate and we want to make sure that we're we're bringing in players from different situations, different clubs, different backgrounds. Um, like my, you know, I, I played soccer um, as as a as a kid, um, as a as a young adult, as an adult. Um, John Bismarum, who I founded the club with, and you know, he's been my friend since we're nine. We've been friends since the '80s. We kind of joke about <laughs> it, um, you know. And so, what did what did soccer give me? Well, it gave me these great friendships, and it gave yeah. me these great relationships. And you know, I helped John. I get a job here in Minnesota. He helped me start a soccer club, like our, you know, it's one of those things where where you do that because you're united for a positive goal. And so that makes a great that gives us such a great opportunity to start to unite people across, you know, socioeconomic lines, across, you know, racial or ethnic or other lines. And you know, as we look at the Twin Cities, particularly with what's happened in 2020, wouldn't it be better if we were all working together for a solid goal like yeah. as a team? together um and so when i when i when i hear that type of thing from somebody who you know ellie has her choice she could coach anyone anywhere yeah right and she looks at that and she believes in the mission and she sees that it's true like all the stuff we say we want to do is true she's pumped for it too and tory's pumped and michael's pumped. like all these people look at it and they say it's true and i want in um yeah just it gets me like all motivated to do a you know redouble my efforts right because it's looking we're going somewhere like this is a thing Mm -hmm. um but you know a lot of credit to the players too right because they recruit their friends and they and they make the culture of the team what it is and they accept the new guys and they push the new guys but they do it in in a way that makes the new guys want to come back and um we're really lucky for the culture of the team and some of the leaders in the team that we've got who um just just make it a place where like players want to play no matter like you know Mm-hmm. Top quality of their background, coaches. Top quality of their background. You know, I, I don't think in a different team culture could you just, um, you know, could you drop two women coaches into it? Yeah, I'm not sure you could. But in our team, fuck yeah, the guys are pumped to have them. Like, and they, they, you know, and and that's that's kind of a, a why I'm proud of uh, Minneapolis City, but also why I'm excited about it because they will get the most out of it. They'll get the yeah. most out of top coaches because they just. Mm -hmm. Let's just get better. You know, that's the attitude.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, Allie and I were talking about how, you know, it it did kind of make headlines that they were the first two women to join a staff in the NPSL North. And we're kind of talking about, you know, when is it, when is it that not going to be the storyline anymore? You know, when is it going to be just, Hey, these are two great coaches who are joining a great team and and it's, you know, you mentioned it, it's just the fact that you want to bring in the best coaches and when Ali Allie and Tori are available, you know, uh, to individuals of their pedigrees, you know, they are people that you want to snatch up and, and join, have, have on your staff. So, um, that, that's, that's awesome. And like I said, the, the excitement that Allie showed in particular, and I know that, um, sort of extends to the other hires, you know, it was, it was evident in the way that she talked about joining city. And it was really cool, uh, to hear her talk about that. Um, any other big news items I missed or anything else that we should be looking out for as the calendar turns to 2021, when it comes to the crows. I mean,
1: we're, we're in a weird spot because we, um, like everybody, we don't know stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, we are hearing that the U S open cup is going to happen in some form or another, that there, there are currently discussions happening around, um, how can you make sure that every club is, um, following similar COVID protocols,
0: yep.
1: which who knows what it, what that does or does not mean, mm-hmm. um, but obviously our, our hope for the, the big news is we actually play, we actually finally play an open cup game. Yeah, that would um, be great. You know, so we'll see what, um, we know us soccer has been having meetings. Uh, they, they're going to try and, and decide hopefully by mid January, but, um, this is a contentious one and it's appropriately the contentious one. Cause you know, if I was, if I was, you know, Dan Hudeman. um, and was managing director of an MLS team. I might have a different point of view, given how much money I'm spending on testing and quarantining everything yeah. every week on playing us or Christos or you know Bavarians yeah. or whoever um, than we might have playing them. And so and, and across the board, you know. So it's and and it, and it's the appropriate things to have happen. So that's the big thing we're kind of waiting to drop because um, you know one of the things we've really wanted to do is see what we can do in the Open Cup, like. Mm-hmm. What, what are these other teams all about and wouldn't it have been cool to you know gone to madison and, yeah. and played for ford madison and, you know and particularly with you know their their news with carl craig he um he coached with us a little bit in, in some off seasons um mm-hmm. and you know unfortunately we just never it's kind of small volunteer org and, and he's making mm-hmm. a living as a coach you could never make it work full-time but yeah what a wonderful guy. What an incredible Excellent hire coach. for Madison too. I mean, oh man. I'm so pumped for them. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the connections between you know Madison and the twin cities and, and all that, you know, just even that makes it, um, all the more interesting. Um, I would love to be able to announce say, Hey, we just have to beat Chicago and we'll play Madison again. Um, fingers, funny. fingers crossed it's soon, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, but, but other, other than that, you know, Um, We're just trying to get ready for the season, I think, at the moment. Our expectation is that we're going to play in some form or the other. Maybe it won't start the first week of May. We'll all have to see. But um, the good news with where we're at at Augsburg is it offers us a lot of flexibility in terms of safely distancing and doing Mm -hmm. things like that. And we're not reliant on a huge gate like um, others might be. And so we can limit. If we need to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. percentage of people in there. So, um, and I think everyone's just keen to get back to playing. It's been a long time and yeah. hope. So, no, nothing to formally announce, just hopes. I hope we can do this. I hope we can do this. And <laughs> hey, that's all we got right now is, <laughs> is
0: hope. That's all any of us got at this point. Uh, before you go, Dan, give us a rundown on the, you know, ton of different ways that people can support and be part of Minneapolis City. So, um,
1: you know, the, the best way is to become a member. And so, a member gets a season ticket, the unique member scarf, which the members just voted on. It's the yeah. city to the We're moon. Excited to get mine. Looking it's a to it. it's a great it's a great design. City to the moon is a thing that the players. It's a phrase that players came up with, as their kind of rallying cry this fall. Um, and it comes with two flex tickets, some other goodies. That's right now until the end of the year. It's just sixty five dollars. Um, then the price will go up. There is an out of town membership, and that's a great way to be part of it. You know, yep. we have some member um, specific meetings, some member specific emails, it gives you a chance to run for the member board, vote on, on things. And the member board um, has gotten more and more um, kind of like ingrained into club ops as things have gone, gone on. Mm-hmm. So it's getting better. So that, that's a way to do it. But um, if you read the article, you'll know that merch is extremely important. So check out our shop, mplscityse.com. Just click on the shop button. Um, a lot of great things from our $69, $69 jerseys. That, um, <laughs> by the way, so I, just, I know I'm running out of time, but this is the coolest thing that ever happened. There's like a company called Classic Football Shirts, um, classicfootballshirts.co.uk. And they, and they kind of started the like retro shirt, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of craze, at least in Europe. They've got s- shops in London, Manchester, Liverpool, and they sell online all through Europe. And uh, they've got a guy, one of their buyers, who's in Amsterdam, who like found us through the compensator stuff, bought a few test jerseys, sold out, bought some more. Um, We have sold legitimately 250 jerseys through them to Europe. And I had some guy, no joke, some guy from Devon in England who emailed the club and said, hey, they're sold out at classic football shirts. Would you ship me one uh, from your (laughs) shop? So- anyway if you buy those they they really make a big difference and apparently they're cool in Europe so if, you know if that matters
0: hey we got like three or four listeners in the in the UK so hey if you're if you're listening and you want yourself a Minneapolis city jersey you can you can get yourself one so
1: you can yeah they they re up they should be in stock perfect, <laughs>
0: perfect. Uh, dan Hudeman uh co-founder marketing advertising pretty much everything guy with minneapolis city sc thank you so so much for taking some time again read dan's uh i don't even i want to call it a piece because it's more than a piece it's nine thousand words uh over at mplscitysc.com or protagonistsoccer.com the 2020 year interview what the bleep just happened is actually the uh the title of it so go check that out really good insight on uh, what a lower league club normally goes through versus what they've gone through here in uh, 2020. Dan, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Perfect. Right.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it.